Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated exclusively to helping you create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by identifying, finding, and choosing to serve with your gifts. Today, I'm really excited to have Marsha Van Weinsberg as a guest. He's a fellow Canadian. I love it. Marsha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love, love talking to another Canadian. Isn't that fun? You know, my wife and I are both dual national. And so we lived in Phoenix for a while. We moved back up here in 2016 to take care of her mom. And, uh, you know, we're, we're tired of the snow, so we're moving over to the island. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> well, Marcia, we've had a very brief chance to get acquainted before before the show, and I already am wildly in love with you. And I say that in the most generous and truthful way, because you told me enough about who you are and what you're being that my heart is open. I want you to answer a question. Why is it so important for each of us to understand that we have sovereignty over our choices? Mm. What a great question to start with. I love it. I think it's very important because that's where all change begins is when we recognize that we are responsible for the choices that we make. And when we don't, when we can't stand in a space of owning what those choices are, we tend to stand in a space of blame and victimhood waiting for things to change. And we can spend our entire life waiting for all of our circumstances and the people around us to change. But that's not where real change comes from. It comes, it comes from knowing that when we stand in that space of ownership, we can create change by being the version of ourselves that opens up those doors. So people that are in the self-help space, and especially those that are in deeply and work in this would understand everything you said, and mm -hmm. I do and love it and agree with it. I'm wondering what process do you use and i know there's probably many but what do you start with people when when they point to all of the externalities that for them have defined their mm -hmm. life so for example we've got a war going on in europe and hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of people we don't really know have probably died and 10 million 15 million have been displaced and you know all that kind of stuff and then there's inflation and there's supply shortages and there's you know, tech layoffs and a bank failure in the U.S. and this and that and the other. And so they point to all that and they say, I can't be happy. I can't control anything because, and they point like this to all that stuff. What, what do you say to that? Well, first off, it's very easy to be in that space because that is life right now. There is a lot of things that are happening outside of our inner circle 
Um, and then it also comes down to recognizing what do I have control over? And as humans, I don't think we get very uncomfortable with thinking we don't have control. That's a very, that's a very uncomfortable thing to face when actually it's the one fact and truth is that we don't have control of a lot of the things that are happening around us. And when I speak of, you know, ownership and taking radical responsibility for yourself, I also want to say that with you know, with true honesty in the sense that there are people that have walked through horrific stories and challenges and it's not making light of it. It is not, you know, not not recognizing that it's a real story that somebody has walked through, but we can always choose how we respond to what is happening to us. And there are people in the world who are literally like speaking. I follow a number of different, um, speakers who are talking about what's happening in Iran, who are, they're trying to do something good and productive with what is happening. So when we're in that crossroads point, we can, we always have two choices. We can focus on all the things that are happening to us, or we can focus on how do we choose to respond to what is happening to us. And that's where our real power lies. And I believe the quote, this was like a, a definitive quote change for me in the beginning with Stephen Covey is that we are not a product of our circumstances. We're a product of our decisions. Like what we choose to do is important. So I say that I am not minimizing that there are people that are experiencing horrific things. There really is. And it's, it's very, it's very hard to see, but I hope that by sharing my story and helping other t- others to be able to share their stories, we can start to build some connections with people and through that process that will help us through some very difficult times. So if I poorly summarize that, what what you're telling me is that I can be okay, I can be content, maybe I can even be happy and excited when stuff around me is happening that I don't like. I wouldn't say happy. Like, here's the thing. It depends on what your focus goes, where your focus goes and what you choose to see. So when you're standing in a space, people say to me, what is the first thing I have to do to create change in my life? One of the first things I ask is, where are you sitting in a space of blame for X, Y, and Z that's happening? Because wherever you're in a space of blame, blame is the complete opposite of ownership. So you're not in a space of creating change really bad things happen to good people all the time. Just because something bad is happening doesn't mean you deserve it or that you're a bad person. I think that's a big misconception. We have this this feeling that like, why are so many bad things happening to me? Well, it's called life. Things, Things happen. But how we choose to look at it is what will dictate how we move through it. So I love that. And I was intentionally asking it a little bit in a difficult way. I like it. Because I would 100% thump my desk. I doubt going to because it'll create a big bump on the show. But I would 100% say, yes, you can be happy when crap's not okay around you. Mm -hmm. And you said it depends on where you put your focus. Mm -hmm. Because Talk more about that. Yeah, no, I I think you can choose to be happy. I do think you can, but it depends on where you put your focus. If I sit here right now, I could focus on, if I want to make a list, I could focus on all the things that didn't go right 
this past week, all the things that um, were outside of my control, all of the, maybe I didn't have a great night's sleep. Like where my focus goes is what is I'm going to bring more of. Instead of not letting that define me and decide, like, what do I choose to focus on? Through a lot of the work that I've done in the last couple of years, understanding like, like our thoughts are only ever replaying the past or creating the future. That's all they're doing. We rarely ever spend time in the present. And so if we are sitting in this space of replaying the past over and over and over and over and over, we're literally just recreating the past again. So yes, you can have a lot of difficult things happening in your life and you can choose what you focus on. So I agree with you 100%. And it's easy for people to listen who are in the midst of struggle and point at me or you or others spouting cool stuff That's to say, yeah, but that's you. <clears throat> and, you know, you probably haven't. And then they would list all the things that they believe that we don't understand. Because I know you and I can sense your spirit, I, I know you didn't fall up this mountain. No. <laughs> Did so, not fall up this mountain. <laughs> nobody falls up the mountain, right? No. So you are standing at an elevated place where you are able to see the possibility and ramifications of choice mm -hmm. and that you can choose to focus not on what's wrong, but on what you can make out of what's wrong and all that other stuff. So because I know you didn't fall up this mountain, I'd like you to share whatever you want mm -hmm. about how you got here. Because that journey of ownership and of recognizing the difference of things we can and can't change, like the serenity prayer and, the, you know, those kinds of things. How did you get, if you didn't fall there, how did you get up to this more elevated state of both understanding and choice? Hmm. It's a beautiful question. And no, I love that. I did not fall up the mountain. Um, I crawled, it was messy and it was step by step by step at a time. And so as I share the story, it's been a decade in the making and it has been stacking small steps every single day. So I never want people to think that it was like, oh, I made some choices and it was all good. No, that's not how that's like, I, I, and if that's the story you're telling yourself, then that's keeping you stuck because that's not real. And that's, it's just not real. Um, I was a parent about a decade ago. We started to experience teen substance abuse with both of our boys. It came out of nowhere. There's really no other way to explain it, except that it came out of nowhere, was not in my life plan. And when it came in, it never left. There was no sign of it being a phase. There was no sign of it like coming in and leaving. It came in, it amplified, and it grew. And eventually, over a couple of years, we were in a space where it affected, impacted, and I like to say infected every single aspect of our lives from school to work, to jobs, to home safety, you, you name it, family, everything was affected. And my world got really small. And during that time, it got, I, it did get small because I was trying to avoid the judgments of others. When you're walking through a story like this, I often say, we didn't have to wonder what people were thinking. They had no problem stopping and telling us. They had no problem stopping and telling us in, you know, the grocery store, in a parking lot, at our house, and telling us what they thought and what we were, how we were screwing up because our story scared them. 
I know that it scared them. That's where it came from. It came from fear. And so my world got small, but I was still actively looking for help. Like I was in the schools. I was not trying to hide anything. I was, you know, reaching out with counselors on a regular basis. So I was trying to find answers over here and then trying to look like I had it all together over here, which none of it was the case. And through a lot of work in a lot of messy, messy, messy action and anger and tears and frustration, I got to a point where I remember, I think most people's lives change with that moment on the floor. I had that moment on the floor where I was like, I, I don't think I can't do this anymore. I can't do it this way. This isn't working. This is, you know, at, at this point, I was going to lose, lose myself in the process. And I remember I had a wonderful crisis counselor who said to me that if your boys come back to you, you need to be a springboard to support them. And you couldn't support yourself now if you wanted to. It might sound harsh. It's exactly what I needed to hear. And she was right. She was, she was a hundred percent right. Because at that point, there was zero ownership on my part for myself. All I was doing was trying to fix, manage, control my kids. That's literally all I was doing. hundred percent of my efforts went there until I started to understand like what codependent was, what blame was, how I was not sitting in a space of ownership. And I started to do some very slow stacked actions every single day that would help me to create change in myself and how I was responding to what we were living in. The more I could change how I responded, the more I came from a grounded space. The other quote she said that I use all the time is you get to choose if you throw sand or gas on every fire. And when you're dealing with addiction and you're dealing with very um, explosive type energies and experiences, it feels like gas is throwing all the time. Everything is gas. And when I started to recognize that every time I throw gas, A, it doesn't fix the problem and B, I leave feeling completely like nothing left to me whatsoever. It wasn't working. So I slowly started to learn how to build myself up, take care of myself and how to respond differently to what I had. And the more I did that through little practices that I stacked on top of each other, the more I started to respond differently to our circumstance. And when I responded differently, it started to change the energy of what was happening in our life. And eventually it created change for them, not because I did it, but because they started to have to do the same thing too. If they want to change in their life, they had to own those choices. They had to make that decision to make change. And so it might sound really simple, but I actually think that they are life lessons that are good for parenting, no matter what the circumstance. We we can't own our kids' like wins. We can't own their losses. We have to let them fail. We have to let them figure things out so that they can come to an empowered space of making change in their life. So that's where a lot of it started from was just recognizing that I I knew what it felt like to be where I was and I didn't want to be there anymore. And if I didn't make change, I'm not sure I would physically be here anymore because I didn't want to be here anymore because no parent would want to live in and watch what we were living every single day. 
So I want to, I love that. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being willing to talk about your own exploration. And what I noticed, and I agree with it and, and love it, is we so often feel we are powerless. Mm -hmm. And that sense of powerlessness, you said earlier before we started recording, we hate that. <clears throat> we feel powerless and we hate it. And People react with anger and lash out and do all kinds of whatever they do because they don't feel like they have any control. What you told me <clears throat> is that you started controlling what you could, mm -hmm. which was you. Mm -hmm. That's it. How That's you it. reacted to situations, how you chose to language things, whether or not you chose to have comment and what they were. And, and then that is the work because you say, do the work. People say, well, what's the work? The work is those moment-to-moment -moment changes you just described, those moment-to-moment -moment choices about being angry or not being angry, giving in or not giving in, owning your own reactions or not owning your own reactions and blaming you know, the other party. But what you told me is after you did that, over time, a little step at a time, stacked on top of each other, you created a different energy mm -hmm. in the situation. That different energy was the result of your choice to own yourself. Mm -hmm. You didn't make anybody else do anything. No. And from the foundation of that changed energy, uh, if you want to create causality or facilitate, I don't care. It facilitated at a minimum and perhaps was a moving cause in others in the situation making change. Is that true? Every single thing you said is true. It's like, it's it. people said, well, how did you make them change? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I changed. And when I changed, I changed how I reacted to life. And when that changed, it changed the energy in our life. And I stopped taking responsibility for their choices. And honestly, when two people are trying to own something at the same time, nobody owns it. And there is no human, there is no human who is going to create change if there's no consequence. Don't care who you are, it's not going to happen. There has to be a consequence for the choices that we make. If we want to create something different, it usually comes down to a consequence that prompts us to make a different choice. When I let go, and I love that you refer to the serenity prayer, no joke, I wore it around my wrist a leather bracelet for probably four years. I probably read it. If I read it a hundred, hundred times an hour, I literally, every time I would feel frustrated, I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Yep. Not mine to control. Okay. Not mine to control. And it was just this constant check-in. And so in doing that, they got to a point where it was like, I, and here's the thing I would say, you might not like where your life is today at this moment, but where you are today is a collection of every single choice that you've made. If you want to be somewhere else, make a different choice. But it's very important that I learned how to do that, not from a shame place. I will own that I made a bazillion mistakes through this whole process. I 100% will own that I made mistakes because there was no manual and no one had a clue what to do with what we were living in. And so I did a lot of shaming in the beginning because I wanted things to change. And eventually it got to a point where it's like, you know what, if this is what you want for your life, cool. This is, this is what you're creating. If you want something different, you have to make some different choices. I 
will walk beside you, cheer you on and support you, but I will not push and pull you through life because I can't. I actually will fail you every single time if that's the expectation. I can't push and pull you, but I will walk beside you and cheer you on the whole time. So where that goes, and this is going to be a leap for some people to make, from a place of being powerless to being the moving cause of action for all the change. It's it's a leap. but Yeah, it is, but it's true. It is. And it, it, like, it's, I'm giving a snapshot of a few years, right? Like this is, it's just for anybody who's listening, please know that was years that it took. And, and when I was in the thick of those years, I didn't think anything was changing. Like I look at it and I was like, no, none of this is working until eventually it was like, oh, wait, I did react differently. Oh, wait, this, I do feel differently. This is working. And so then all of a sudden I started to find my own personal power. And listen, we all deserve to find our own personal power. That's how we create change. That's literally, it comes from us. It comes from inside. So the point of all of that, I agree with everything you said, is I just wanted to, whether people disagree or not, boldly and clearly state that you're not powerless. No. And that the belief that you're powerless is the foundational abdication of your divine and sovereign right to be who you want to be. And it just looked and felt like as you changed yourself and changed the energy, yes, they your, your boys could have run away and gone and done whatever, but you created the space where then they could do that. And so my make the changes over time. Yes, this took three, four, five, seven years. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's what growth is about. You don't grow in, in a day or an hour. I guess a mustard tree grows from a seed to great big in 90 days, but very little else grows that fast. That bamboo, I suppose. Yes. But I want people to understand you have so much more power than you think you do, not mm-hmm. to make anybody do anything, but by elevating yourself, you create both the energy and the space for other people to do stuff. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Again, if I could go back and I look at my younger self who was in the thick of it, and I didn't think I had a choice of anything. Like I thought, like, what did I do wrong to deserve this? Like I, that was actually a big part of my mindset. What did I do wrong? Like, why does everyone else have a family that doesn't look like this? I don't understand. And, but that's, I understand what victim mindset is. And I had to live there for a long time to understand that there's no change that will come from that. There's no change that will magically come and happen if you are choosing to see the world as a victim. I realize even that sentence in itself can be triggering because trust me, I get lots of messages on social media and people that I know those words trigger people. But I also want it to be a trigger or catalyst for somebody who does want to create change. I love catalysts. You know, I'm an amateur chemist from the sixth grade on and all kinds of scary stories involving that that we won't get into today. But you you do have that power. And so that's a beautiful description of how you crawled. Up oh, it this was mountain. messy. A messy crawl up this mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, now that you're there and you're going to trigger people. Because we live in a world that is, you know, everything needs to be solved in the length of a TV sitcom mm. or everything is some download and double click solution. And the truth is nothing worth anything anywhere ever in any universe works like that. No. 
No Olympian got to the podium, no star got to singing, nobody did anything without all the the years that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. And so you have now come to a place where you teach, you love, you bless, you lift, you coach people to own their choices and to, a little at a time, stack the wins and the choices and wear mm-hmm. a bracelet that says whatever it needs to say to remind you of who you who you are. Mm-hmm. So now that you're now that you're there, I know you've written a book, and I know you've got another one underway and participated in some other work. Tell me more about the work that you do after having crawled through this barren desert and come out the other side with uh, scarred but healed knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely scarred but healed. Um, the work that I get to do is I never would have been able to do it if I hadn't walked through what we did. And I think that's the, the, the real message for me is the fact that we can't love who we are and hate everything that makes us who we are. We, we just can't, they, they do go together. Does that mean that you're grateful for every single thing that goes wrong in your life? I don't know if I'd go that far because I think that, you know, I wish I could have learned these lessons any other way, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. We have to live it in order to learn it. And through the process, I really just started sharing so that other people would not feel so alone. And I was scared to death those first couple of times, those first couple small stages I was on. I actually was interviewed by a radio station that I figured nobody would listen to because I thought who listens to CBC radio in the morning, but a lot of people do. And it was very much and like it blew up. My, the story blew up at that point, but it actually was very freeing because I was like, oh, well, it's out there now. Like it's, it's out there now. And it actually was freeing. And so I started to share the other reason I think it's important that I want to share why I decided to share is because we don't fit the mold of what we think a family looks like that goes through this. And the only way we're going to change that mold is if is if we actually start to speak. And so I felt it was actually really important because I don't fit that mold. And that disrupts what a lot of people think this story looks like. But what happened from even the first few talks I spoke at is I was bombarded by people who would stop me and say, that's my story. I've never told a soul. Like I've never told my family. It's been 20 years, 30 years. Like it... And listening to how many people were stuck in these cycles of stories made me, it actually helped me to heal, but it fueled me that, wait, I think I'm supposed to do something more with this. Like, what if I could do something good with the worst thing in my life? Like that became a flip of a switch that I wanted. I was like, there's a reframe for me. I actually want to do something good with this. And so over time, I started to share stories. And before I knew it, I was being approached by people to say, but how do you share the difficult story? And that was when it was like, oh, wait, they okay, this is what people are asking is how do you share a vulnerable story? How do you show up and share and be respectful to others that are involved in the story? And that has led to a podcast that has 550 episodes and multiple books and talks on stage. And it's just, it's, 
I couldn't have crafted it if I wanted to. And I'm actually, I'm very open about this. I'm grateful that uh, the universe did not show me years ago what it was, because I think if the universe would have showed me five years ago, it would have scared the crap out of me. I would have probably self-sabotaged it and I would have avoided it because I wasn't ready yet. So we grow into that version. Okay. Okay. Good. You've said something I wanted to talk about anyway, and that is this. Why? You know, people get angry at the divine or the idea of any of that sort of thing. And you called it the universe. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. Why? Why is everything designed to be so challenging, so hard? Why isn't there an easy lift up the mountain? Why is this so hard? That is such a great question. I'm going to go with my gut here. I think that we are forged in the times that aren't going smoothly. We're forged in the experiences that are not ideal. You know, like, I think it's really when we're in social media world, right? We're in podcasting, speaking, social media world. Um, we're seeing everyone's highlight reel. We're seeing all the things that are going right, right? We're seeing all those pieces of it. I actually think who you are is built in the times of challenge. That's what, that is like really how we're being challenged to become more of who we are. I think that we come to earth with these gifts that we all have. I don't care who you are, you have gift, we all do, and you have these gifts. And I think that we don't see the power of those gifts until we have challenges that allow them to come out. And so it depends on what meaning you are giving those challenging times. Again, I thought I was doing something wrong. I must be a bad person. This is why I was experiencing this. That's a story. That story was keeping me stuck as a victim. If you, <clears throat> so what you're telling me is all this blood on your knees and crawling up the mountain has made you into a powerful, valuable voice to add good to the world and to help people. And under no circumstances, without that rough thing, would you be, would you have the power, the authenticity, the capability, the conviction, the story, the answers, the suggested answers? You wouldn't have any of that without all the blood on the floor. I could not agree more. Honestly, I, I could not agree more. I, I wrote one section in my book and I still use this in the sense that, um, we, our stories and the things that we're walking through sometimes are a big pile of crap. There's no other way to say it. Like it's messy. It's ugly. We're trying to like crawl through. There was a point where I remember feeling like I was literally crawling on my knees. So as you're using this analogy, like I, I remember feeling this way. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, I think I can see light. I think I can see something on this side. And I remember other family while we were going through this, not understanding my way of thinking, not understanding what I was. I'm like, you're still standing on the other side of that pile trying to make it look pretty. Like you're trying to dress up this pile of crap and make it look pretty. And you're trying to toe dip it. You're trying to go around it. You're trying to avoid it. And the pile is still there. You have got to go through and it's messy to get through to the other side. But that's literally what it was is that I don't, I, it's not that I don't think, I know I would not be doing what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for walking through the most difficult days of my life. And so I've decided that they have a purpose and I want to use that purpose for good. 
I could have just walked through and went, okay, this is where I am now. And that's fine. But my husband said to me one day, if our boys walk through this, do you still feel convicted to speak on this and do something? And I was like, hundred percent. Yes. And he's like, okay, then like, it's, this is, this is what you're here to do. And this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I just keep following that. So that's fabulous. And it fits right in with the whole idea of using your gifts and talents. Mm-hmm. However, they got developed to add good to the world, which is the phrase that I use when we make choices to selflessly serve uh, and lift and bless others. So I know that people are going to want to find out about your book and your website and how to maybe book you to speak or something. So please tell me all the good stuff. How do I find you? How do I connect? How do I get, see, be, do whatever there is to do. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, I've made it very easy because you've all heard my last name is long. So everything is Marsha Van W. Every single thing is Marsha Van W. Social media, it's go to, if you go to Google and you start typing Marsha Van W, 99% of what you're going to see is me. And so all social media is those links. That's my website. And my podcast is called Own Your Choices on Your Life. Shocking, but those are the words that saved my life years ago. And um, like I said, we're in episode 550-ish. And my book is called When She Stopped Asking Why, because the why was absolutely killing me. And I had to learn to let go of the why and only focus on what was I going to do next. It's funny because the when you ask why, the subtext of that is it shouldn't be happening. So why is it? And when mm-hmm. we remember that it's happening for our benefit and for mm-hmm. our growth and for uh, an opportunity we have not yet seen or even begun to realize, that's not a comfortable answer. It isn't. And when a person is in the middle of trauma, like, we, I mean, we lived in... We lived in scenarios I would never wish on anyone for a number of years. And I can't tell you how many people said, well, this is happening for you. And I'm like, really? Because I feel like I could punch you in the face right now. Like, that is just not what you say to somebody. But I can, on this end of it, I can see it now, but when you're in it. So how do I use those tools when things happen that are very difficult? I will stop and say, I don't say this is happening for me. I say, what am I here to learn? What am I here to learn? Show me what I'm here to learn. I'm meant to learn something. And the other piece is, is that um, I believe that what I'm walking through, I am capable of walking through it. I might not know. I often think, okay, Marsha, I don't know what to do next. And I will stop and say, you do know what to do. You're you're not in this situation by accident. You do know what to do. You might not like the answers, but you do know what to do. Trust yourself and listen. And so I do think, again, back to what you've said, everything we walk through just continues to fine tune those gifts that we have. We can decide to do something with them or not. That's our choice. We get to decide. We don't have to. I've just chosen to step into this. Thank you for sharing your heart and your experiences with us today, Marsha. You're welcome. Honestly, thank you so much for having me. And I'm just grateful to continue to bring more voice to, especially as you talk about gifts, which I something I refer to all the time. So I'm grateful. I want you to listen to this again. I want you to take the opportunity to think about not just Marsha's story, but where in your life are you playing the victim? Where in your life and you're blaming you, you, she said, you can continue to do that, but it goes nowhere and creates nothing. So if you want to make a choice, 
Go find her stuff. Read the stories. And in that way, you'll be able to move forward and create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart.